Scripture this morning is John 1, verse 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Well, Christmas is over. We have survived. And I'm amazed. I was in Walmart the other day, and I think thanks to a 75% off discount, there is like no more Christmas stuff. It is about all gone. And in fact, I saw in the back of Walmart a movie display of Valentine's Day movies. Yay, Walmart has already moved on. Soon we will take our trees down. Our wreaths will go back in their boxes, and we will put our bows away. We will carefully pack our lights into a box somewhere, and I'm sure only half of them are going to work next year anyway, but we're going to try to be careful and save some of our Christmas lights. Silent Night has been sung. Jolly old St. Nicholas has made his world tour. We will no longer have cheesy Christmas specials on TV, and large bags of wrapping paper and uh, packaging have been left at the curb. It's a little bit of a letdown, isn't it? All of the buildup, and now it's done. This is actually a special Sunday for many pastors. You know what we call this? Low Attendance Sunday. <laughs> Low Attendance Sunday. I have a friend here from Detroit because many pastors take the Sunday after Christmas and the Sunday after Easter off, partly because we're tired and partly because not as many of you are going to show up that Sunday anyway. It's like we're sort of all churched out by that point. The Christmas story itself ends abruptly like this. Shepherds go back to their flock. Wise men return by a different route to the east. The Holy Family goes to Egypt, and then all of a sudden, poof, Jesus is 12. We have 12 years of whatever happens. Normal life, family life. 
And the question I want to ask as we are a week after Christmas is how do we keep this going? How do we carry all these things in our hearts as Mary does? I guess I want to say plainly that we can't, right? It would not be good for our hearts and for our blood pressure to try to keep up the Christmas season. But, but there's some of it, some of the emotions, some of the importance of Christmas that we need to keep going in some way. And it's not easy for us to do that. I think there are generally sort of three different kinds of Christians. The first are the ones we are keenly aware of on this Sunday more than anyone else. It is uh, those people who are only Christians on Christmas and Easter. You know those people? A bunch of those strange faces we didn't know were around, and then Christmas Eve, poof, they're here. We have a name for them, too. Does anybody know what they are? Creasters. We call them Creasters. Christmas and Easter Christians, we can call them Creasters. And once a year, twice a year, uh, they get the motivation to come, and they get a motivation to be here. And they're not here this week. Creasters. I think there are good time Christians. You'll know these people. They're, they're, they can be called mountaintop Christians. They're those Christians where when things are going well, they praise God and they're excited and they're with it. But as soon as things go down, they reject their faith or not near the church. They... they uh, go into sort of their own world. They're a Christian when times are good, when we're on the mountaintop, but when real life happens, when we're in the valleys, well, they're nowhere to be seen because they're trying to figure stuff out on their own. There are also bad time Christians. These I might call valley Christians. These are Christians where if things are good, they don't need God. They can do things on their own, but as soon as things are bad, all of a sudden they pray, all of a sudden they show up for church because now things are bad and I need God, but as soon as things are good again, I don't need God anymore. One of the biggest challenges for Christians has always been consistency. How can I, through the ups and downs of life, be consistent in my faith? Through mountaintops, through valleys, how can I try to, uh, to follow Christ and be faithful in all things? Sometimes I think the only consistent Christians are legalists. Legalists manage to keep it going all the time, and I'm not quite sure how. The rule following, the do good and God blesses you. It, it, it sometimes it's almost like the only people that really are consistent Christians are those who believe in some kind of Christian karma. If I'm good, God's going to bless me. If I'm bad, then God's going to curse me, so I better stay good. They somehow manage to get a little more consistent than the rest of us. What is very rare, and I would say increasingly absent in the world, are those people who can be steady, consistent, all the time kind of Christians. Mountain valleys, good and bad, Christmas, Easter, or just plain ordinary time, they try to live out their faith. The problem is to live that kind of life, you have to not only admit that we don't have all the answers, but you also have to give up the need to have all the answers. You have to sort of follow Jesus with your hands open and just say, okay, Lord, good times, bad times, whatever times, I'm going to just keep following you. We have to give up that we have to feel good about everything that goes on or that things always have to work out right. And we have to give up on the idea that our lives are exceptionally special and accept the idea that perhaps our lives are divinely ordinary. But that is the very message of Christmas. The word became what? Flesh. 
The word became flesh. The word didn't stay back. It didn't leave the world alone. The word became flesh. He entered into the ordinary. And the, the, John says he, he lived among us. The word there, he dwelt among us, is actually the word in Greek that's used for the word tabernacle. Okay, like Moses and the tabernacle and the people in Egypt or in the, in the desert, that God tabernacles. He comes into our ordinary lives. And after the resurrection, he has a special body, yes, but he can still be touched, be seen, be recognized. He speaks, he sleeps, he eats. And the end of our Bible, it doesn't end with us all going to heaven and leaving this world. It comes with Jesus bringing us back to rule in the ordinary of this world. The point is not to leave the ordinary, to leave the world. The point of the whole story is God comes and brings the whole ordinary under his submission. You see, when all the bows are put away, the real message of Christmas is only getting started. Love. Love continues to be the heart of our faith. And even though Christmas is over, the idea of love must continue. It's like a marriage. You can't just have a marriage when you feel good. Because the longer that you are married, right, the less you feel good. Okay? And you go through seasons and you go through times when you're not so close. I may love you, but I don't necessarily like you today, right? And you go through ups and downs, and what keeps you going is the commitment that you have that what we have together is more than how I feel on any particular day. That I'm going to love you and be with you through that all. And that is exactly what Jesus does in becoming flesh for us, and that is exactly what we need to do. Listen to how Paul talks about it in Philippians 4. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says, in everything, I've learned just to be content, to be steady. How many of you know those people in your life that are not steady? I call them roller coaster people. And they're on to this thing, and then when they're bored with this, they're on to this thing. And you, they, you just, they're like little monkeys, and you're trying to get them to organize and stay on one thing. I think there's a call in the Christian faith to learn how to be steady, content. And as we come off of Christmas, I think it's worth reflecting. We need to learn to rejoice, especially on the mountaintop, but even in the difficulty of the valley. We need to see God as our strength in everything and rely on that strength. When all the bows are put away, can we keep these words of Advent going? Can we continue to find hope, peace, love, and joy? When all the bows are put away, when all the Christmas lights are turned off, then the message of Christmas is really getting started as we live out this miracle in our own lives, as Christ continues to become flesh in us, in our church, in our world, with our families, with our co-workers, with our neighbors. 
We live out this incarnation, this Christmas story every day as Christ becomes flesh in our lives. As our jobs become the manger for Christ to be alive in, as our families become places where the peace of God may reign supreme, may we find that kind of Christmas faith. But not one that just rises and falls with the season, but one that is consistent. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.